We're here. It is a Wednesday, and Donald Trump is in full-scale meltdown. Plus, two candidates have dropped out of the race. We'll tell you who. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Tend to demonize people who don't care about your feelings. Well, we begin with a fond farewell to two Republicans who have now dropped out of the race. Senator Rand Paul dropped out of the race earlier this morning. Apparently, the conference call was somewhat awkward. Apparently, he called up all of his campaign operatives, and he told them that he was dropping out. He sort of just announced it and dropped the bombshell on them. And then when none of them said anything, he said, well, okay then, bye. And then he hung up. This according to people who are inside the Rand Paul campaign. The other candidate who dropped out was Rick Santorum, which begs the question, was Rick Santorum even running? I mean, that's amazing. But Governor Jim Gilmore's campaign is going swimmingly. He's just sitting in the background waiting for every other candidate to drop out. And Jim Gilmore will be the only one left. Twelve men enter, one man leaves the Republican nomination process. So this is, this is all very exciting stuff. Well, moving on to New Hampshire, the big question was going to be, Donald Trump loses Iowa. How glass is his jaw? Does he see a major drop-off in New Hampshire? And right now the polls say no. The polls say that Trump maintains a 24-point lead in the latest poll. There was another poll this morning, had him up 24, 21 maybe. So in all the polls, he's basically maintaining his lead in New Hampshire. New Hampshire's a very different state than Iowa. Ted Cruz is not going to clean up in New Hampshire. It's not a particularly religious state. It tends to be more of a Rockefeller Republican state, all of which plays to Trump's strength. But Trump, instead of turning from Iowa and then moving forward, Trump is... George Costanza in the jerk store episode. Like he, he just he keeps going back to the site of his defeat and then yelling about how he was defeated, but he wasn't really defeated. He really won, but he was cheated and they took it away from him. And the jerk store called and they said that they want more of you. And it's really it's it's really that it's that feel from Donald Trump. So you can watch Donald Trump's evolution in real time. We talked yesterday about how he did this on Twitter, how he announced that he was so grateful for the result in Iowa, and then within. 30 minutes, he had swiveled to, I'm self-funding, but I'm not even sure it's worth self-funding. You people don't even appreciate it. And, and he sort of did the same thing over the past 24 hours generally. So he started off with, I'm really honored by how we performed in Iowa. We'll start off with Donald Trump explaining that Iowa was really a tremendous victory for him. And then you're going to see him over the course of today basically move to, I was cheated. Everyone's cheating me. I was screwed. Ted Cruz is Satan, etc. I mean, it's, it's amazing to watch the guy in real time. Because all that matters is just the, the damage done to his ego by all of this. Here's Donald Trump starting off on a positive note, and then it starts to go kind of downhill. What, what, what's your postmortem on Iowa? What do, you, what do you think happened there? Well, I think that I did well there. I think that um, you know, I came in second place, a strong second place. I that probably if I would have, I was told always that I could not do well in Iowa. I was told, don't go to Iowa. And I said, what are you talking about? And they said, it's not your place. Don't go there. I said, but I know people there. I think I'll do well. And I went there. You know, I started in 10th place and uh, went there. I came in. I ended up in second place. I guess there was a poll that came out that had me winning it by four or five points, a pretty close poll. But I came in second place. And, you know, I'm happy with that. Uh, it's interesting that Marco came in third place and they said it's uh, one of the great victories in the history of politics. And I said, well, how come if he came in third place and I came in substantially better at second place, why is it mine one of the great victories in the history of politics? And they said, no, no, his is, but yours isn't. I said, oh, that's wonderful. I didn't understand that. But uh, 
you know, I came in second place. I was, you know, I was satisfied. I think probably it's a place I could have won if I uh, really uh, went there more and did a little more work there. But, you know, I was, I was satisfied with it. He's a happy camper. He was satisfied with it. Everything was fine. And it was a historic victory. I mean, if Rubio was a historic third, he was a historic second. Of course, Trump was expected to win, and Rubio was expected to get 17% of the vote, and he got 23. But nonetheless, Trump says he's happy with the result. And then he says, well, you know, there are really some reasons why I didn't win. So, for example, I could have won if I hadn't skipped the debates. Maybe, maybe that was a mistake, that I didn't skip the debates. Here's Trump explaining that. I think some people were disappointed that I didn't go in the debate. If I had it to do again, I would have done the exact same thing. And the reason is, you know why? Because I raised $6 million for the vets in one hour. So if I took a second place instead of a first place and could give the vets $6 million, I'll do that all day long. It's, it's not a question of learning. I mean, I just want to continue to do well. I want to, our theme, the theme is so important. It's just make America great again. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. Not really a question of learning. Okay, well, if you look at the second place, uh, people didn't talk about my second place. They didn't talk about it as positively as they should have. And yet with Marco, who was more than 2,000 <laughs> votes behind me, that's a lot of votes, by the way, uh, they said, oh, he's surging, he's surging. So I don't know why is the third place person doing well and the second place person, who, by the way, has never run, Scott was mentioning before, said, one of the amazing things about you, you've never run for office before. It's incredible how you're doing because well, what about your you've brand? never done. Your brand I think my brand's doing great, yeah. I think it's so good. And, uh, and so he's happy, right? His brand is doing great. He's a winner. He's, he's finished second. 2,000 votes is a lot of votes to beat somebody by. Ted Cruz, by the way, beat Trump by 6,000 votes in Iowa. So Trump's a happy camper. And then the worm begins to turn because Trump realizes that people are thinking that maybe he's going to lose some momentum. People are starting to think that maybe he's not the all-powerful, godlike winner. And so he begins to lose his mind publicly. And his followers are following him right down this path, and so are the media. The media have decided that Trump is not, he, he's not just egomaniacal. He's not just paving the path for a possible third-party run. No, Trump is really sincere about this. Maybe he's got a point, because then the media have an interest in chaos inside the Republican field. So Donald Trump, the next day, you know, this is, this is all within 24 hours, Pretty soon, he starts, to, he starts to feel that tickle at the back of his neck that means that he must hit someone and hit them soon. I mean, he has like, it's like a cocaine addiction for Trump, but the, the cocaine for him is pummeling someone. And so he looks around, and the person who he hates most in the universe right now is Ted Cruz, the guy who just beat him in Iowa. And so that's the guy to whom he turns. So he, he starts off by, by he, he's going to go full Trump. So now we're going to get the full Trump. The full Trump is... If you thought he was turned up to 11 already on the spinal tap scale, he's now going to go to 20. So he starts off by saying that you should trust him because he's the biggest, baddest, most masculine, testosterone-y guy you've ever seen, you've ever heard of. Here's Donald Trump saying he's going to beat the bleep out of people. If we are attacked, somebody attacks us, wouldn't you rather have Trump as president if we're attacked? Oh, we'll beat the shit out of them. Anybody attacks us. You know, interestingly, speaking of potential, because he hates Obama so much, Putin, he said Donald Trump is a genius, and he's the real leader over in that country. And these people that I'm negotiating with all the time, these people on the stage with me, they said, you should disavow what Putin of Russia said. 
I said, I'm not disavowing that he called me a genius. Are you crazy? Don't worry, I can't be seduced. But wouldn't it be nice if you think about it? Wouldn't it be nice if we actually got along with Russia and others and we can use them to knock out ISIS with us so that maybe we don't always have to pay for it, knock the hell out of them, but let them drop some of their bombs that cost a million dollars a piece, let them use some of their weapons that cost billions and billions of dollars, let them beat the shit out of ISIS also. Right? Right? Now this is this is an idea man right here. We're going to build a wall with Mexico. Mexico's going to pay for it. We're going to bomb ISIS and we're going to make the Russians pay for it. Also, the if if someone bombs us, if the Russians do something we don't like, we'll bomb the bleep out of them. If you're mildly confused by all of this, all you have to just keep repeating in your head, gang, is Trump. If you just keep repeating that word, all will be okay. It's like Peter Pan. If you think Tinkerbell's dead, all you have to do is clap and Tinkerbell comes back to life. If you think Trump's candidacy is in problem, is in shambles or that he's falling apart as a human being, just keep repeating, make America great again until you come back. Now, in a little while, I want to talk about why I think that Trump is still a viable candidate. But first, we have to get to the main thrust of the news today, and that has been Trump's absurd contention, his absurd contention. We saw him before saying Iowa went fine for him, didn't go as well as he wanted, his ground game wasn't as good as he wanted it to be. And now he's decided, no, no. I did the best that I could. I was just cheated. I was cheated out of this. I have never yet won. I've never yet lost in my life. I must have been cheated by someone. Now, I think it's worth noting here that Donald Trump is sort of a fabled cheater in his own right, in his personal life, not, not just with regard to his wives, although he is, but even down to things like playing golf. The Weekly Standard had an article with kind of the Trumpiest stories, and one of them was Donald Trump cheats at golf all the time including one time when he was there was a short rain delay and everybody sort of went into the clubhouse. When they came back out, Trump's ball was about a foot from the cup. And somebody said to him, you didn't hit that. Like, no one saw you even swing a club. And Trump kind of shrugged and smiled and said, well, it's golf. Everybody does that. And said, but Trump said, in any case, when it, comes to, when it comes to elections, then Trump says everybody else is a cheater. He is pure as the driven snow. And Ted Cruz is the one in his crosshair. So here is Donald Trump at the same rally, same rally in New Hampshire, you can see. Right after saying that he's pretty excited about his finish in New Hampshire, he says, Ted Cruz is a terrible, terrible cheat. He's a liar. He's a cheater. He's a terrible person. Here we go. He spoke personally that one day you were his friend and the next day you were insulting him. What do you say about that? Well, he insulted me. I mean, he started with the insults, and uh, as you know. And That's he insulted Ben Carson by doing what he did to Ben Carson. That was a disgrace. And he insulted the people of Iowa by doing a voter violation form that nobody's even seen before which was uh, disgraceful. So, uh, no, no, he's, uh, he's a man of insult. He's a man of insult. Okay, Cruz originally said at a rally that people would start, he said this at a private donor meeting, actually. He said people would start to see Donald Trump for who he is. That's not an insult, that's a fact. Okay, Donald Trump then said that Ted Cruz was a Canadian who couldn't be trusted and everybody hated him and he was ugly. So you tell me, so you tell me who was the person who initiated this particular conflict. Cruz was very careful not to attack Trump because he didn't want to initiate that conflict precipitously. So, so Trump is making a couple of accusations. And to back up one of them, the idea that Cruz had targeted Ben Carson, Ben Carson sort of said the same thing. Ben Carson said the Cruz campaign was corrupt, just like the Obama White House. Here's Ben Carson, then I'll give you the backstory. Yeah, but Bill, here's the issue. A culture exists 
within the cruise camp that would allow people to take advantage of a situation like this in a very dishonest way. Isn't this the same thing we see with the Obama administration, the IRS scandal, no responsibility? Let's see what, in fact, the cruise uh, campaign will do about those individuals who inappropriately disseminated this information, knowing that the caucuses were not over. They were awfully anxious to get it out there, weren't they? Okay, so here's what actually happened here. And first of all, let it be noted. You have Donald Trump saying that what, what Ted Cruz did to Ben Carson was terrible. We'll talk about that in a second. Donald Trump once suggested that Ben Carson was pathological like a pedophile. Okay, if you remember just a few weeks ago, Donald Trump was doing rallies when Ben Carson was surging. Donald Trump was doing rallies in which he reenacted being stabbed in the belt buckle and called Ben Carson a pathological liar. Right? He said that, he was patholo that Ben Carson had said that he was pathologically violent, and pathological means like a child molester. This is what Donald Trump said about Ben Carson, but he's very insulted on Ben Carson's behalf. Okay, so today, today, first of all, Trump also added, by the way, that he said that, that Cruz is really, really dishonest. I think I know why. You know why? Because he was born in Canada. Can't trust those Canadians. <laughs> the Canadians, they're Canucks, they're liars. Everybody from Ottawa, always lying with their... With their bacon and their leaves and their, their syrup. Lying gases from north of Borneo can stand the Canadians, eh? Terrible people. He says, so Cruz is a pathological liar. Cruz is a terrible person because he was born north of the border. <laughs> Which begs the question is to, you know, Donald Trump's own wives, or his current wife wasn't even born in the country either. So I guess, are all foreigners worthy of this accolade or just Canadians? I mean, I've been up to Canada. The people there seem relatively nice. I mean, I've been to worse countries than Canada. I think most of us have been to worse countries than Canada. Goodness. But, okay, so Donald Trump, he, as you see, he has swung from Iowa went great for me, and I'm going to win New Hampshire, to Iowa was stolen from me, and I was cheated, and they're all liars. Okay, so let's go through the various accusations against Ted Cruz. So here's what happened. This morning at about 5.40 a.m., Donald Trump started tweeting out, all of this stuff about Cruz. He tweeted out, Ted Cruz didn't win Iowa. He stole it. This is why all of the polls were so wrong and why he got far more votes than anticipated. Bad, exclamation point. Because that's, that's how Trump tweets. It's, everything is sad, exclamation point, or bad, exclamation point. You know, frankly, frankly, bad, sad, glad, mad, dad. And so he, so, he, <laughs> so he tweets that out. He doesn't explain why it is that, that Ted Cruz jumped like 4% in the polls. Did Marco Rubio also cheat? He jumped 6% in the polls. Actually, did Ben Carson cheat? He jumped 2% in the polls. And conversely, was, was Jeb Bush victimized by cheating since he lost 2% in the polls? Just weird thing to say. Then he says, during primetime of the Iowa caucus, Cruz put out a release that real Ben Carson was quitting the race and to caucus or vote for Cruz. He continued, many people voted for Cruz over Carson because of this Cruz fraud. Also, Cruz sent out a voter violation certificate to thousands of voters. The voter violation certificate gave poor marks to the unsuspecting voter, grade of F, and told them to clear it up by voting for Cruz. Fraud. And finally, Cruz strongly told thousands of caucus goers, voters, that Trump was strongly in favor of Obamacare and choice. A total lie! Exclamation point. And then he finishes, based on the fraud committed by Senator Ted Cruz during the Iowa caucus, either a new election should take place or Cruz's results should be nullified. In other words, I'm the real winner of the Iowa caucuses. Okay, let's go through some of these, these nonsense attributions one by one. By the way, Cruz's campaign responded by saying that 
Trump should see a shrink for Twitter addiction. Uh, so here's, here's what, they, let's go through these. First of all, as I mentioned, the idea that the reason that the Cruz outperformed the polls was because of fraud is absurd. If you were going to defraud somebody, you wouldn't go up by 4%, you'd go up by 10 And the fact is that, again, he didn't even have the biggest move of the night. That was Marco Rubio's move from 16.9% to 23.4%. And then he says, the Cruz press release stole votes from Ben Carson. And this is what Carson is, is mad about also. So here's what happened. This happened right before the caucuses on Tuesday. On Tuesday, a report came from the Carson camp to CNN that after the Iowa caucuses, Ben Carson would be going home to Florida, he would not be visiting South Carolina, and he would not be visiting New Hampshire. Those are the two next caucus and, and primary states. And everybody on the internet, everybody, including me, went, oh, well, that means he's done, right? I mean, it means if he's, not, if he's not leaving the race, he is clearly about to make up his mind to leave the race, because why is he announcing this week that he is going to just quit the campaign trail and go to someplace completely irrelevant. He's going to go to Florida, and then he's going to go up to D.C., neither of which is in either of these primary states. So why is he doing that? The only reason is his campaign must be coming to some sort of ignominious finish. And a lot of people thought this. CNN reported. They tweeted out. CNN reported specifically, quote, After the Iowa caucus, real Ben Carson plans to take a break from campaigning. Usually when you say take a break from campaigning, what that means is you suspend your campaign, especially in the middle of the caucuses, in the middle of the primary season. Right? Anybody with half a brain understood that this is not a great sign for the Carson campaign. Everybody got this. Representative Steve King, who's a Cruz supporter, he tweeted, quote, Carson looks like he's out. Iowans need to know before they vote. Most will go to Cruz, I hope. Right? And then a Cruz staffer told precinct captains, quote, breaking news, the press is reporting that Dr. Carson is taking time off from the campaign trail after Iowa and making a big announcement next week. Please inform any Carson caucus goers of this news and urge them to caucus for Ted Cruz. First of all, there's nothing that's actually not true in that statement. I don't know that he said about the big announcement next week that I didn't see from CNN, but the part where he's taking time off from the campaign trail, that's true. That's true. So apparently this is what Trump is so mad about in Carson. Oh, they said they went around and they sent an email and they told people that I was out and I was really still in. Carson's campaign has been run pretty terribly from the very outset. He spent more money than I think anybody else in the race. He's run through more money. He's run through more advertising. He's, he's you know, run through more staff. A lot of his staff has left. Uh, and this comes to somebody who, from somebody who actually likes Ben Carson. I was a big Ben Carson uh, defender when it came to several of the ridiculous scandals the media tried to put on him. I was the one who debunked the, the ridiculous Ben Carson never went to West Point routine that the Washington Post tried to slap him with. But this idea that something terribly wrong happened here is ridiculous. He told CNN, I'm taking a break from campaigning. They reported he's taking a break from campaigning. The Cruz campaign read into that. He's probably going to quit soon. Go tell people he's going to quit soon. Vote for Cruz. Okay, this is a big deal. Apparently, by the way, Rubio also pushed that same narrative. Cruz apologized for the screw-up. He said, quote, Last night when our political team saw the CNN post saying that Dr. Carson was not carrying on to New Hampshire and South Carolina... Our campaign updated grassroots leaders just as we would with any breaking news story. That's fair game. What the team then should have done was send around a follow-up statement from the Carson campaign clarifying that he was indeed staying in the race when that came out. Okay. I mean, I I suppose they they should have sent an update, although I'm not sure why that update is necessary. I mean, the fact is that if I, I still look at this race and I think Carson's out after New Hampshire. So, you know, that's actually a viable reason to tell people, by the way, Carson's not sticking around for the entirety of this of this situation. So why don't you shift to somebody who can win? And again, 
Ben Carson outperformed the polling average by 1.6%. So if Trump is contending that all of these Carson voters shifted over to Cruz and gave him the victory, let's do the, the math a little bit here. Okay, Ted Cruz beat Donald Trump by over 6,000 votes. 6,000 votes. Okay, Ben Carson overall went up in the polls. He actually beat his poll average by 1.6%. He won about 17,000 votes. So in order for Trump to make the claim that Cruz stole all of this support from Ben Carson, you would have to claim, actually, that Ben Carson probably had double the number of votes that he actually had. Right, because here's what you figure. You, you, not every Carson supporter was going to go to Cruz. Right? You figure maybe half of all the Carson supporters go to Cruz if they shift over. Let's assume 100% do. That means he still would have had to win another 30% on top of his vote, and all of that would have gone to Cruz. Okay, the, the statistics just don't match up. It's silly. This is suggesting that Ben Carson was polling at 7.7%, and if it hadn't been for that nefarious Cruz activity, then he would have been polling not at 7.7%, but he would have been polling at like 13%. Been polling twice where he was, which is ridiculous and not true. And there's no poll to support. Okay. The next accusation made by the by the Trump campaign is this voter violation certificate that people got all hot and bothered over over the weekend. And uh, do we have a, a picture of the voter violation certificate? We may not. Uh, there, there's a voter violation certificate and what it looks like. I don't think we do, but in any case, you can you can look it up at Daily Wire. We put it up. Uh, there's it, it looks like a a piece of uh, a, it's it's a Manila envelope. And it looks like a piece of junk mail. And it says on the front, election alert, voter violation. And then it says public record right below that. Right, so you get these things all the time from mortgage companies and it's junk mail. You get it from telemarketer. You get this kind of stuff in the mail all the time. I get at least one of these a day in the mail, not based on elections, but based on some company trying to get me to pay for them to do my property taxes or some company that's trying to get me to pay to do my own IRS filings or whatever it is. And then if you open it up, it says voting violation. And then it says in the, in the mailer, quote, you are receiving this election notice because of low expected voter turnout in your area. Your individual voting history, as well as your neighbors, are public record. Their scores are published below. Many of them will see your score as well. Caucus on Monday to improve your score. And please encourage your neighbors to caucus as well. A follow-up notice may be issued following Monday's caucuses. And so they were saying, then the Iowa Secretary of State tried to suggest that this is the scared people into voting for Cruz. They thought that if they didn't show up and vote for Cruz, they'd go to jail or some such. What, what utter nonsense? Is there one vote? Can they find one voter in the state of Iowa who showed up at their caucus place and said, oh boy, I better vote for Ted Cruz because if I don't, they're going to put me in jail. Is there anyone in Iowa who did this? Anyone? It's not a violation. It doesn't look like a public record. If anyone has ever seen a notice from the government, it doesn't look like a notice from the government. It's clearly not a violation of law. In fact, the Marco Rubio campaign sent out its own version of the voter violation notice. And it says in a caucus report card, did you vote? And then there's a big red X where people didn't vote. And then it says improve your score by caucusing on Monday. Right? That's, so it's, it's the same thing. It just doesn't say voter violation, which is just a way to scare people. And by the way, the backlash from it probably caused some people not to vote for Cruz because they were annoyed by it. Democrats have been using similar tactics for years. Even the Washington Post reported this. But now Trump is trying to spin it into the case that Cruz tried to say that it would be illegal not to vote for him. There's not a person in the United States who believes that it's illegal not to vote for a particular candidate. Well, maybe there are Democrats who believe that it's illegal not to vote for Hillary Clinton. That would be the only thing that would explain this. But, the, but this is a ridiculous charge. Finally, Trump says that Ted Cruz is mean to him because he said that Trump backs Obamacare and that he's pro-choice. Okay, Trump says openly that abortion is not murder, 
and says he is for caveats. He also said the only reason that he switched from pro-choice to pro-life is because he had a friend who didn't have an abortion and her child was a quote-unquote total superstar. He was asked if the kid had been a loser, would you still be pro-abortion? He said, yeah. That's not a pro-life position, gang. As far as Obamacare, Trump says he's going to repeal and replace Obamacare. And then he says in the same breath, quote, I am going to take care of everybody. I don't care if it costs me votes or not. Everybody's going to be taken care of much better than they're taken care of now. And then he said, Republicans have no heart when it comes to health care. The government has to do something to take care of poor people with no health care. Okay, how is that not Obamacare? It's actually worse than Obamacare. It's single payer. He says he's not for single payer either. So the question here is, what is Trump thinking? So the easy answer is he's not. The easy answer is he's reacting. He's saying wild things that the media will cover him because that's what he does. This is who Trump is. That's the easy answer. Then there's the answer that he's trying to put Cruz on the defensive. He's trying to make Cruz defend all this stuff, and the media will do his dirty work for him, which is not a strategic, terrible idea, although it makes him look weak. And, and the, the whole you, you can't puff yourself up and then whine. Uh, my, my favorite part of John Wayne movies is always the part right after the bar fight where he sits around and whines about how he would have won if it hadn't been for that guy who hit him with the chair. Right? Like that's, if you're going to campaign on your masculinity and your testosterone level, and I'm big and I'm bad, I'm going to bomb the bleep out of everybody, this is not a good look. It's also possible, and this is starting to re-enter my mind, that Donald Trump may be prepping for a third-party run. That if Donald Trump, let's say that he collapses in New Hampshire completely, just falls apart in New Hampshire. I don't think that'll happen, by the way. I think he'll win New Hampshire. Let's say he falls apart in New Hampshire. He's been saying for months that he was going to run as a Republican if he was treated fairly, right? He was always with this caveat, if he was treated fairly. In Donald Trump's world, no one has ever treated him fairly. He has never been treated fairly. And now he's saying openly, I wasn't treated fairly, and therefore I should basically have these, we should have a redo in, in Iowa. By the way, if there were a redo in Iowa today, he would lose dramatically. If we did the election again after all of this happens, Donald Trump goes down in flaming defeat in Iowa. Like really, really bad. Ted Cruz probably comes out the same place and Marco Rubio probably boosts even more. So Trump, you know, it hurts him more in Iowa. But, you know, this, none of this is good for Donald Trump. None of it is good for the Republican Party. Uh, uh, that, that, is, that is certainly the case. And I'm, I'm getting all sorts of people who are saying, oh, you're such a Cruz defender. You just keep coming out and defending Cruz. Listen, I've defended, Mar I've defended Marco Rubio from false allegations. I've defended Trump from false allegations. I've defended Trump many times from false allegations and from slander. I've done the same thing for Ben Carson. Trump is off his meds on this one. He's just off his meds on this one. Now, I said earlier I would make a case for Trump. The case for Trump is the same as it's always been. The case for Trump is that Trump is the most electable Republican. He wins blue-collar voters. He appeals to people who watch politics in five-second increments. And there's a real possibility that he does damage in a lot of blue-collar states, like Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan. That's the case for Trump. But don't pretend that he's principled. Don't pretend he's suddenly a beacon of honesty in the political process. People are very The people who are selectively choosing to be outraged by Ted Cruz's campaign tactics, it seems to me they weren't quite as outraged when Donald Trump was slandering Ted Cruz as a Canadian citizen who was, who was not capable of running for president of the United States. Okay. Meanwhile, on the other side of the aisle, Bernie Sanders is now starting to put Hillary Clinton's feet to the fire. And I've been saying now for weeks, if Bernie Sanders actually wants the nomination, all he has to do is one thing. All he has to do is one thing. Endorse slavery reparations. That's it. If he endorses slavery reparations, Hillary is toast. She sticks her head in the oven, and Bill is a jolly widower. That's how this goes. 
Okay, Hillary Clinton is only hanging on thanks to support in the black community, and South Carolina is 50% black in terms of the Democratic primary voting base. Bernie Sanders has now pressured Hillary Clinton into debating him tomorrow night. They have a town hall tonight. They have a debate tomorrow night, which I'll have to watch. Ugh. Republicans, by the way, have a debate on Saturday night, which I'll also have to watch. Ugh. So all of this, I, I make these sacrifices for you, my loyal listeners and watchers. Bernie Sanders says Hillary Clinton is worried. She, she's spinning and she's spinning. Here is Larry David as Bernie Sanders on MSNBC. You mentioned the word debate. People need to be debating the issues. Are you going to be participating in a debate with uh, Hillary Clinton tomorrow night? The answer is yes. And, and you know that I have always wanted more debates. And Secretary Clinton in the beginning mm, was not so interested in more debates. Now suddenly they're very interested in more debates. What I wanted to see is on top of New Hampshire, three more debates. Uh, we were talking about California and Michigan. And I wanted New York City. Secretary yeah. Clinton represented New York seven years in the Senate. I thought it'd be a good idea for some reason. Uh, she's not interested in debating in New York. So why are they suddenly interested in more debates? You said that with a little slice. Well, smile. golly gee, I don't know. <laughs> it, may have, <laughs> it may have something to do with the fact that the, that the nature of this campaign has changed a little bit. And now they're getting a little bit nervous. But it was interesting, as you recall, way back when DNC said six debates. We had no input into that. Secretary right. Clinton said, hey, that's great. That's fine. Now they want more debates. That's fine. I love debates. Okay. It's funny that Clinton wants more debates with him. That's because she's hoping that he lays, he lays off of her. Bernie Sanders has laid off of her really heavily so far. If Bernie Sanders ever decided to lay a glove on her, he could actually do her some damage. If Bernie Sanders ever said to her, you know, Secretary Clinton, you know I have nothing but respect for you, but I have to ask you, in terms of government corruption, you know, the fact that you set up a private email server and you were passing classified information on it, I don't think this is just a Republican scandal. It's, it's President Obama's inspector general for the intelligence community. You know, you can, you can brush it off as a non-issue as much as you want, but there are people's lives who are put at risk. It's a risky move for Sanders, but at this point, what does he have to lose? He's winning by 33 in New Hampshire, and he's got to make a move sometime here. So Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders continue to go at it. Chris Matthews over on MSNBC. No episode of the Ben Shapiro show is complete without a Chris Matthews quote. Chris Matthews over on MSNBC. He specifically asked Hillary Clinton, you know, Bernie Sanders, he, he's, he's a revolutionary. He's a socialist revolutionary. He's like a Lenin beard. He, 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 I think that he would probably want to like farm in the gulags. And well, how, What do you do with him? I mean, he's a revolutionary and you're just, you're, what, what do you do? How do you compete with a revolution, a revolution of promises, really? Well, first, let me say I am thrilled, too, that we've got young people uh, getting active in uh, the campaign on the Democratic side. I was very proud of the many, many young people working for me, volunteering for me, voting, caucusing for me in Iowa, and the ones I have here in New Hampshire, I'm just uh, so impressed with. So that's a, a net good no matter what. I do think that we have an obligation to keep people focused on what's at stake in this election. And you got uh, close to saying it, Chris. We can't let the Republicans rip away the progress we've made. We can't let them go back to trickle-down economics, repeal the Affordable Care Act. We can't let them stack the Supreme Court okay, we for can pause another it. generation. Speech. First of all, I think it's important to point out what's right behind Hillary. You want to know why she's running, gang? You want to know why the media is pretending she's a viable candidate? Behind Hillary Clinton, for those who can't see, are two posters. One says, girls, exclamation point. 
And the other says, Madam President 2016, in this kind of childish handwriting. Again, this is so frustrating to me. I mean, we were, we were pointing this out yesterday. Beyonce does this song. Isn't it Beyonce who does the girls' We Rule the World song? Is that Beyonce or is it somebody else? I think it's Beyonce. She sings Girls We Rule the World, and then she does a, a music video where she's going down on her husband. I mean, so Beyonce clearly, when we do this Hillary Clinton Girls We Rule the World nonsense, remember something. The, the crazy old loon bag who was standing behind Hillary yesterday drooling as he ran lesbian porno through his mind, that guy is the only reason that Hillary Clinton is even mildly prominent before we do the whole Girls We Rule the World thing. Turns out, girls don't rule the world. Guys don't really rule the world. People with power rule the world. Some of those are guys and some of those are girls. And the nature of their genitalia are of no consequence, but this is the only reason people are taking Hillary seriously. And if you're talking about the female revolution versus the, the socialist revolution, the socialist revolution definitely has the, the sort of fire behind it. Ezra Klein over at Vox.com, which is a wild left-wing website, he reports a poll today. 54% of voters say they are open to a political revolution to redistribute wealth. Oh, happy day. I look forward to the, the heads on the pikes. That'll be very exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to Bernie Sanders leading that charge. Well, we'll take the rich and we will cut off their heads and we will stick them on pikes and we will use their money to fund your education by other rich people whose head we will cut off and put on pikes and then we will march around in circles with spaghetti on our heads singing Reading Rainbow. That is our plan. That's the political revolution of Bernie Sanders and Hillary's trying to fight that. Good luck, gang. Okay, on to some things that I like and some things that I hate. So, first, an actual thing that I like. Um, I, I like jazz. I tend to like old jazz, kind of swing music. And, uh, and there, there are a lot of singers from the Frank Sinatra era who are well-known. Obviously, Sinatra's well-known. Tony Bennett is well-known. One who's slightly less well-known, but who has a really kind of interesting voice. They used to call him the Velvet Fog. was Mel Torme. If you've never heard Mel Torme sing, uh, he's really... A very talented musician. Here's just a brief clip of Mel Torme with George Shearing. George Shearing uh, was a, a really terrific pianist. Never got credit for being as good a pianist as he was. He's also blind, like Ray Charles. He's blind. And, uh, and so George Shearing and Mel Torme will play a little clip of this, and then we'll get on to, to other things. So here's what it sounds like. When true lovers meet in Mayfair so the legends tell Songbirds sing Winter turns to spring This album particularly, by the way, we need Everyone. to stop it there, but this album particularly is very, very good. An Evening with George Shearing and Mel Torme. Great album. You can pick it up for, for pretty cheap. It's, it's really good stuff. Okay, here's another thing that I like. So, the Hamas, the, the terrorist Palestinians, were digging a tunnel, trying to dig a tunnel into Israel. This is how they spend their, their off hours and their free time. And actually, this is what their job is. They get paid to do this. They were digging a tunnel into Israel to try and kidnap and kill Jews because this is what Israel's Palestinian peace partners do for fun. And in a minute, I'll talk about something that I hate on this particular score. And they, they were digging a tunnel into Israel, and the roof collapsed. The roof fell in. So well done, God. Well played, God. And they did a funeral for the Hamas guys. 250,000 people apparently showed up for this funeral. So a quarter of a million people showed up to, to do a funeral for these poor victims who buried themselves in rubble trying to build a tunnel so they could kidnap Jewish children. I mean, these are literally the most evil people on earth. I mean, these are ISIS. The only difference between Hamas and ISIS is the name. But here's the thing that I love. 
So they have a they, they had a funeral for the Hamas guys, and we have a, a clip from from that funeral, and here's what it looked like. Roof collapsing and Hamas guys falling. <laughs> so first God collapsed the tunnel, and then at the funeral, God collapsed the roof. <laughs> so well played, God, well played. Apparently the, these people don't know how to build a working toilet, but they know how to build tunnels, but not that well since they cave in. They also don't know, you don't stand on roofs in large groups, you stupid asses. So sadly, not enough of them were killed. Um, that's that's too bad. I was hoping for I was hoping this would become a recurring cycle until you ran out of Hamas guys. Basically, you'd have a Hamas guy who would die in a cave-in. You'd have a funeral for him. All the Hamas guys would climb on a roof. That would cave in. You'd have a funeral for those guys. Too many guys would climb on the roof. That would cave in. And then eventually, you'd end up with no Hamas guys. That was that was. I think that would be a great plan. It hasn't happened that way. Okay. On the other side of that, here's some here are some things that that I hate, and I'm going to save the best for last. So we'll start with. There was a, another terrorist attack in Israel today, another Palestinian terrorist attack in Israel. There have been a multiplicity of stabbing attacks nearly every day by, by the Palestinian, the glorious, peace-loving Palestinian peace partners. It's just disgusting that the West continues to maintain this ridiculous fiction. You wouldn't ask anybody to make peace with ISIS, but Israel is expected to make peace with Hamas and with the Palestinian Authority, both of them terrorist groups, because, of course, they're Jews and whatever, the Jews. So here is the headline that CBS ran. Okay, so there were, three, there were two Jews who were stabbed. One was a 19-year-old female police officer who was stabbed to death. She died today. Here was the headline, and then the, the three Palestinians engaged in the attack were shot and killed. The headline from CBS News, in case you can't see it, quote, three Palestinians killed as daily violence grinds on. That is their headline. So three terrorists stab two female soldiers and kill one. And the headline is that the Palestinians were killed as the daily violence grinds out. It's just violence. We don't know who did it. We don't know why it happened. It just magically happens that way. Those poor, poor Palestinians. The media are complicit. They are complicit in the worst form of Jew hatred and anti-Semitism. And this sort of headline is proof. I said it on CNN well over, I guess, almost two years ago now, during the, during the Gaza War. I said that if Hamas could have designed a news network, it would look like CNN. Coming in close second, CBS News. I mean, that's just outrageous and disgusting. Okay, something else that I hate. So we, we talked about Bernie Sanders earlier. Bernie Sanders, apparently, there was a romantic comedy with Susan Sarandon in it. Like this, We were wondering why Susan Sarandon was so fond of, of Bernie Sanders. Apparently, there was a low-budget 1999 romantic comedy called My Ex-Girlfriend's Re Wedding Reception, which sounds quite terrible. He also did, I guess Sarandon wasn't in this one, but he was, he was a stingy candy dispenser in 1988's Sweetheart's Dance, according to his IMDb page. Here is Bernie Sanders in the trailer for, well, I guess in, my ex-girlfriend's wedding reception, and he's playing a rabbi. Okay, Bernie Sanders knows less about Judaism than my daughter, and my daughter can, can speak eight-word sentences. You know, like this is, come on, here we go. Testing, testing, one, two, three, can you all hear me? My name is Rabbi Manny Shevitz, and I am very pleased that you invited to me to be with you today, and I've prepared a few words for this important occasion. Today, we celebrate life, a very sacred part of life. I remember when I used to walk down my old neighborhood in Brooklyn. That was before the Dodgers went to Los Angeles, which was the worst thing 
the worst thing that ever happened, and I don't know why we let them do that. I mean, nowadays, there is no pride. You don't know who owns what team. You don't know who's playing for what. Today, they're here one day, and they're gone the next day. It's a terrible thing. I remember when the Dodgers played the Yankees, and you bought a ticket, and that ticket was good for 10 years. Now we go to the stadium, and you look out on the field, and you see the Red Sox, you see the Orioles, you see the Cleveland Indians. You see everything, but you don't see the Yankees versus the Red Sox. Okay, I'm getting a little bit off the track here, but let me not take any more of your time. Just one quick thought. Oh, by the way, that free agency, free agency crap, that really gets me. That's $2 million here, they spend $12 million there. What's so free about that free agency? I, I, it, I can't take that anymore. Okay, I, I, let, me, let me just make my point here. And that is, all in all, it's not so bad. When it's good, it's good. If it doesn't feel right, just say no. There's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. It could be worse. Now, let's just thank God you have your arms, you have your legs. Let's eat. Okay, so I didn't know whether to put this in things I love or things I hate. I hate that I have a, a 90, I mean, he looks like he's 73 then. This is in the, when was this, 1999? So this is 17 years ago? He looks like he was 73 then, so he's beyond the grave now. Um, but, but Bernie Sanders playing a rabbi is insulting. His name is Rabbi Manny Shevitz, get it? Like Manny Shevitz, get it? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I can't actually distinguish what he just said from anything he ever says in his speeches. <laughs> you could legitimately put in his normal speeches with the reaction shots, and it would be exactly the same. So I like that the media have the media have ignored this, by the way. This has never come up. Like, everything that Donald Trump has ever done has come up. Everything Ted, They've dug up Ted Cruz's old clips from when he was in high school theater. And, like, everything that these people ever do has come up. This somehow didn't come up, and it's on his He has an IMDb page, and this has never come up. How many times have you heard people on MSNBC ask Bernie Sanders about the essays he wrote back in the 70s where he said that women enjoyed being gang raped? He actually wrote essays in the 70s saying this. Never, ever, ever. But I mean, how can you watch it? Yeah, this guy should be president. Okay, all right. Okay, a couple, a couple of final things that I hate here. Michael Nutter, who is the, the mayor of Philadelphia, he, he came out and he says that we have to be very careful about Hillary Clinton. Let's ex hear him explain why we have to be so careful about Hillary Clinton. You re-ran uh, some of Senator Clinton's, uh, Secretary Clinton's speech tonight. You've been in big crowds. You have a tendency to talk a little louder. No one shouts louder than Senator Sanders. All <laughs> night long, he is shouting. He is literally yeah, almost Amanda, a Howard Beale right of point. this campaign. She, but, but Hillary was so angry compared to Sanders. That I, I don't know I if she was angry. Was but, but again, well, I mean, let us not slip it. into some gender bias here. A man raises his voice, he's enthusiastic. She could a woman raises her voice, she's angry. Let's be very careful about how we characterize oh, give me things. a break. Okay, so, so now, if any, you ever call a woman angry, then you're a sexist. So my wife has never been angry. Lindsay, you're a woman. Have you ever been angry, ever? She's so angry right now. Women are, women, women are never angry. And if you call a woman angry, that means that you're a sexist.
If you ever say that Hillary, I guess we're really sexist, because yesterday we spent half the show laughing at Hillary Clinton being angry, and then a guy behind her eating stickers off his face. So, you know, it's, it, it, yes. But this is how the left thinks. There, there are words that cannot be said, words that cannot be said, which brings me to President Obama today. Speak, we'll get to this more tomorrow, but President Obama today gave a long speech, a very long speech, apparently, over at the Islamic Center of Baltimore, which is which its former imam is a guy who's justified suicide bombings. And he actually said, that Muslim Americans should be able to practice their religion. They have a right to practice their religion without, quote, divisive rhetoric from the campaign trail. This is what President Obama said. That right does not exist. Okay, there is no right to practice, your, to practice your religion without divisive rhetoric. Okay, divisive rhetoric is called free speech. What you're talking about, President Obama, is called a blasphemy law. Those are against the law in the United States. But President Obama does this routine all the time. Remember, this is the same guy who said that the future must not belong to those who slander the prophet of Islam. He said that the United Nations, this is the same guy whose administration embraced a U.N. resolution specifically calling for, quote, measures to criminalize incitement to imminent violence based on religion or belief. And this is, he, he, he hates free speech so long as that free speech targets the practice of Islam. But, by the way, the media is free to target Christianity and Republicans. So, Jimmy Kimmel, who is just, awful uh and and the, the beer doesn't make him appear any smarter it just makes him appear lazier and jimmy kimmel he did a routine yesterday on his show where he tried to claim that republicans aren't good christians and even as a jew i know this is crap so here's jimmy kimmel trying to claim another thing that i hate that republicans are bad christians why because he brings the words jesus of the candidates as read by jesus himself you don't lock your doors because you hate the people on the outside. You lock your doors because you love the people on the inside. The fact is that we need appropriate vetting, and I don't think that orphans under five should be admitted into the United States at this point. You don't stop bad guys by taking away our guns. You stop bad guys by using our guns. Look at that face. I mean, would anybody vote for that? I would bomb the out of them. I would just bomb those suckers. The other thing is, with the terrorists, you have to take out their families. I'll take the votes of everyone who likes machine guns and bacon. I will build a wall. It will be a great wall. Okay, so the idea here is that if you take the, the most extreme quotes of the Republicans and put them in the mouths of Jesus Christ, then it's clear that Jesus is not a Republican. And there's this hippie perception that Jesus was like this bearded hippie walking around. First of all, he didn't look anything like this. Okay, Jesus looked like my Sephardic in-laws. Okay, Jesus was, it was a short Jewish swarthy guy from the Middle East at the time. The Jews had not yet gone to Europe, so they weren't white. In any case, forget what Jesus looked like. Okay, Jesus was not a huge pacifist pansy. If you even do a cursory read of the, of the New Testament, it is clear that Jesus, he said at one point, right, I come to bring a sword, right? There is a point where he says he comes to bring the sword. There's a point where Jesus talks. I mean, he was going through the temple and overturning the tables of the moneylenders, right? And he was doing that because they were corrupt. Okay, so this whole Jesus was a pacifist. Jesus was, was just meek and mild to everyone. He was the lamb of the Lord. Okay, Christians believe that. They also believe that Jesus was a, was a tough hombre, which is what made him sacrificing himself worthwhile. If Jesus was just a pansy, then he was like every other flower child at Kent State. 
Yeah, it wasn't who Jesus was, and anybody who reads the, the but it, it's 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 particularly galling. Jimmy Kimmel's an atheist, by the way. It's particularly galling to have atheists using Jesus as a, oh well, you guys, you know, you say you believe in Jesus, but then you say stuff like this. You say you st- you say stuff like this. I can tell you one thing that Jesus wasn't that fond of, and I can tell you this from the history of Christianity: other proselytizing religions, killing people in the name of their religions. Jesus, not so hot on that one. I have to put up Jesus against Muhammad. They actually were sort of in conflict. The Quran and the New Testament have a mild conflict there. So it's it's just it's insulting all the way through. Okay, I know we're long, but come on. <laughs> We've been doing this for weeks now. All right, so we'll finish up by critiquing the final thing that I hate. There are all of these. We, we've talked about this tendency of the left, and it really is a gross, yucky tendency of the left, to use children in all of their videos and, and advertising now. So they've decided to cut a new video. I'm trying to remember which group this is that cut this ridiculous video. Um, but th- this group has now cut a video trying to rip on the uh, trying to to rip on Stacey Dash. Stacey Dash is a commentator for Fox News. She's black, and she talked about how there shouldn't be Black History Month because that's divisive and stupid and and racist. And so there is a group of people called Because of Them We Can. And what do they do? They get a bunch of kids, of course, because all of the wisdom is in the mouth of babes, right? This is the the silly leftist notion that that children are so smart that we should follow them all, which, if you've ever met a two-year-old, is presumably, it it is definitely the worst idea you could possibly have. If if two-year-olds around the world, nuclear Armageddon would have happened a thousand times over by now. But they got a bunch of kids out there to stand in front of the camera and rip into Stacey Dash because if even these children understand, if even these children understand, then shouldn't Stacey Dash understand? Here we go. Let's listen to a bunch of idiot kids talk about Stacey Dash. I don't think so, no. Just like there shouldn't be a Black History Month. You know, we're Americans, period. That's it. What? Excuse me? Uh-uh. <laughs> what did she just say? Oh, my God. Is that even legal? Uh... That don't make any sense. Does Kanye want to know about this? Okay. Black History Month is out okay, to po- acknowledge our... Pause for one second. First of all, a couple things get said right there that, that automatically you should never watch the rest of this video. Is that even legal? Yes. Yes, it is. Welcome to the United States where we can say things that offend you. But there's a whole generation of people who don't believe that's legal. Also, if you're going to do a video about intelligence and intelligent political conversation and you're trying to use children, why don't you make sure those kids use proper grammar? I know this is old-fashioned, but you're allowed. It's okay. You can use proper grammar. It's a, no one's going to hurt you. It's okay. And it's not a white thing. There are black people who use proper grammar. President Obama uses proper grammar. It's totally fine. Okay, we'll continue, and we'll hear why Black History Month is the greatest thing since sliced bread, and it's helped millions of black people descend into poverty and single motherhood. Our strength, our accomplishments, and our contributions, and our beauty. <laughs> It forces us to talk about our amazing history. And it didn't begin with slavery. No negativity, no stereotypes. All excellence. Because that's who and what we are. We're not canceling anything. So you have to rock with us for 29 days. It's a celebration. It's Black History Month. Now there is a well-stated case. No stereotypes, no negative information. Yeah, that's a, that's a great teaching of history. What a great teaching of history. If I'm learning about history, what I want to make sure of is that one group is cast as saints, complete saints, nothing has ever happened that is, that is bad from this particular group. Okay, the fact is I don't believe in Black History Month. I don't believe in Jewish History Month. I don't believe in Hispanic History Month. There's something called history. Either you were important enough to cut it or you weren't. 
And if you didn't make the list of all of the important historical figures, I'm sorry, there are no affirmative action points. Okay, there's no Eskimo History Month because it's very difficult to name all of the very, very important Eskimo historical figures that we should all know about. And I don't think that it's important that lots of people know about people because of their ethnicity. I think it's important that we know about them because of what they did. So, you wanted to vote a day to Frederick Douglass? I'm all for you. You wanted to vote a day to Martin Luther King? I'm all for you. You wanted to vote an entire month so that we can learn about random stuff that doesn't that didn't make the history books because it wasn't as important as other stuff that happened? Well, tough. I mean, the, the, this whole thing is silly, but the idea, first of all, that kids have to... We have to have Black History Month so you have pride in your race. I am not a person who believes in racial pride. I don't like racial pride. I believe in religious pride. That's why I wear a yarmulke. But I've never understood why Jews are so all-fired excited that Sandy Koufax was Jewish in a great picture. Like, so what? He didn't do anything Jewish. He did one thing that was Jewish his entire life, right? He took off Yom Kippur during the World Series. Okay, that was not that big a deal. I don't like racial pride. I don't like white racial pride. I don't like black racial pride. I think that if you're proud of the level of melanin in your skin, you should also be proud of your height and your hair color. You have no control over it. It, does, it says nothing about your accomplishments. And just because there were black people in history who did something has nothing to do with you. There is not a black guy who abandoned his girlfriend in the inner city with a kid who should feel better about himself because there were black people in history who did good things. Okay, that's stupid. Just like white people, white supremacy is idiotic. It's the same principle. You shouldn't feel better about yourself as a loser white person because there were people historically who were winners who were white people. That's idiotic. But I guess that we're supposed to, it's, it's, all, it's all fine when, when to try out a bunch of black kids to say this kind of stuff. No stereotypes, no negativity. Let me tell you something. Stereotypes are bad, but actual information is useful. I promise you, you want to help the black community? Spend a month teaching all Americans to marry the mothers of their children. Spend a full month doing it. Why it's good to teach the mother, uh, to, to marry the mother of your children? That will do lots more for the black community than black history, than learning about George Washington Carver ever would. And this is, it's just, it's a misprioritization. And if George Washington Carver is important enough to make the history books, he should do it on his merit not on the basis of his race. Obviously, he wasn't inventing things as a black inventor. He was doing it as an inventor who happened to be black. It's just, it's insulting all the way around. By the way, Barack Obama said the same thing about Muslims today. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. The, Barack Obama today said that we should make sure there are Muslim TV characters who are not in national security situations. I totally agree. I think that we should have Muslim TV characters, a plethora of Muslim TV characters who draw Muhammad on television. Let's start with that. Once we do that, then we can talk about having lots of Muslim TV characters who do other things that the Muslim community deems un-Islamic. And so well, the, the, this whole kind of affirmative action that, that accrues to particular cultures or particular races is silly. Merit before diversity every time. It's as simple as that. And merit before trump city. Okay, Just because Donald Trump lost doesn't mean that he was cheated, gang. Well, we'll find out if he carries this forward through New Hampshire. If so, things are going to get really, really interesting. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free 
should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 